so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to the ERLC Podcast, where our goal is to help you think biblically about today's cultural issues. I'm Lindsay Nicolay, and on today's episode, we're going to hear some helpful advice for parents as they seek to teach their children a biblical view of sexuality. So far in our Gender and Sexuality series, we've learned what the Bible teaches about God's design, We've traced the sexual revolution in our society, and we've heard a powerful testimony of honoring God in the midst of a struggle with sexual sin. Today, we're going to talk about the family. As we discuss these important topics, you might have additional questions. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at erlcpodcast at erlc.com and let us know how you're processing this conversation. On this episode, Stephen and Amy Costello are going to help us think through some important aspects of teaching our kids God's intent for gender and sexuality. Stephen is the lead pastor and planter for City on a Hill Church in Boston, Massachusetts. He previously planted Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama before moving to Boston. Stephen holds an undergraduate degree from Samford University and an MDiv from Birmingham Theological Seminary. Amy is the Director for Women's Discipleship and Care for City on a Hill Church. She also serves as the Spouse Care Advocate for a nonprofit in Boston called For Greater Boston. Amy has served in the local church, discipling and counseling women since 2009. Stephen and Amy are parents to four daughters who are in middle school and high school. You'll also hear briefly from our friend, Katie McCoy. Recent developments around gender and sexuality in our culture have come at what seems like breakneck speed. Concepts like gender identity weren't even used when most of us old enough to have children were growing up. So it's important for parents to begin to understand these terms in light of what the Bible teaches so that we can wisely and confidently guide our children as they face complex questions about their sexuality. To begin our podcast, here's Katie McCoy with a helpful explanation about gender identity. So gender identity is a relatively new term in our common parlance, in our cultural vernacular. And it essentially means that how you understand yourself to be as a man, woman, or some combination thereof is your gender identity. And culturally, it is understood that your gender identity is a completely distinct and separate divisible concept from your biology. And one of the things that we're confronting is 
that very idea is what is the relationship of your gender to your biology? In other words, your gender to your biological sex. Everything that we see in scripture, especially in the creation account, tells us that our body indicates our gender. It is something that is a distinct aspect of who we are, but it's not a divisible aspect of who we are. The reason it's distinct, and we know this from just reading our Bibles and how it tells us that we have a body, we have a soul, we have a mind, we have a conscience, we have a heart, we have a spirit. All of these things are words that scripture uses to describe a human being or the nature or composition of humanity. But what we don't see in the Bible is that those things are divided, that the material and immaterial self, while distinct, is not divisible. We cannot separate the body from the self. And that's exactly what our culture says we can do. Culture says your physical self has no bearing on who you truly are. Alyssa Childers had this great phrase she told her children. She said, your body determines your gender. And as simple as that is, it's so powerful because what that means is you can have a person with certain personality attributes, certain interests or affinities or activities or hobbies. They don't have to fit a stereotype. Their body defines and determines their gender. So really, if we were going to put some kind of big umbrella phrase over it, it's that God not only created our bodies to be good, he created them to be a guide. They tell us who we are. They tell us not only in whose image we are made, which is what all of creation displays, the glory and reality of God, but they actually tell us who we are, not only our identity, but then how we are in response to that identity to relate to other people. Most of us have heard about the birds and the bees conversation, a talk about sex and what it is. It's a discussion that makes some parents apprehensive, but it's increasingly essential to have with our children at younger ages in a society that no longer assumes the truth of traditional biblical sexuality. As we set out to talk to our kids about our bodies and how God has created them, here are Stephen and Amy Costello with insights on how to lay a foundation for conversing with our kids about these matters. From the very beginning, we just talk to our kids. We just talk, we're always talking and you know, even when they were little, little, we were just talking to them about what we were doing. And so I think it becomes a rolling conversation that is age appropriate. And so oftentimes with this, even just when we started talking to our kids about sex, it wasn't just a one-time conversation. And then we were never talking about it again. It became something we talked about at age appropriate times. And there were times that that was intentional and we were going to sit down and talk about a specific issue. And sometimes it was reactionary. We They saw something, they experienced something, they, they, they were something that was confusing to them. And so we made room for those things for them to be able to, to kind of have an, an ongoing conversation. We also made sure that those conversations were always really natural. We just made it part of our conversation. We made it part of our conversation with people in our home. We made it part of our conversation with friends while cooking, while cleaning, while sitting down to eat. We made it, you know, writing these things on our hearts, the things that are good. And so we weren't specifically talking about what we're against. It is very easy to wake up and make your identity about what you're against. That's not what we're called to. We're called to wake up and talk about what we're for, that truth and beauty and goodness and who Christ is. So having that be a regular part of our conversation as we are going also makes it very comfortable for everyone, including the kids. One of the 
convictions we have in our home, we have five elements that we use to kind of filter our decisions through and filter what we're choosing to do. One of them is gospel culture. Uh, And gospel culture is really graciousness. It's giving and receiving grace and learning how to contend with that. And I would say that that in some ways is the root of all of these things. We're talking about desire. We're talking about shame. We're talking about guilt. And if you haven't talked about desire and shame and guilt, the next things that you're going to talk about with your children don't make a lot of sense. And you need to know how to handle shame, how to handle guilt, and how to handle desire, what those look like, what those mean in life. And so I think you really need to be engaging in heart issues, not just the actionable issues. Actions are not from the world outside. Now, those things do influence our kids, but the truth is it's their own hearts we're after. And so we need to be after their hearts and be caring for those well from a really young age. Intentional, ongoing conversation is vital in helping our children process the world around them, what God's Word says, and what's going on in their hearts. In light of this being such an important aspect of discipling our kids, how can parents keep an open line of communication with their children about all things, including gender and sexuality? When we first moved to Boston, was we said, want you guys to ask questions. And so if there's something you see, there's something that you have a question about, like there's no question you can't ask. And so sometimes we may not be able to answer it in the moment because we're in public or, you know, because we have, you know, some kids who just blurt out whatever's on their mind in the moment, or maybe, hey, like this maybe is a conversation we need to have when your younger sibling isn't around. We just said, hey, whatever questions you have, we want to answer them and began really to take that when they started public school to say, Whatever questions you have, bring them to us. But then we spend intentional time with them. Every day they would come home from school, I'd ask them, how was your day? What'd you learn? What was surprising to you? What was confusing to you? What made you uncomfortable? And sometimes they would share things they'd heard or learned in the classroom or something that a friend said, and we would talk about it. And we use those as opportunities to tell a better story, to go, okay, well, let's enter in with compassion. Let's maybe see where someone's coming from. But then how does the Bible tell us a better story? I think that was probably the most formative thing we did for our kids was provide space for them to ask questions, but then also ask really good intentional questions that really stoked conversation around it. Probably everyone who listens to this and has children knows they have some external processors who are willing to talk about anything and everything as long as they're allowed to speak. And then you have internal processors and they're going to say, I don't know, we have both in our home. And so what you do is you have family for a reason. You bring up these conversations, like we said, whether it's having the conversation with your spouse or with a friend or with your external processor, those internal processors will come sit and listen. And both the listener and the engaged like speaker are both learning. They're both hearing. It's a good way to learn either way. You know, sometimes you're not going to force your internal processor to carry on the conversation. They're naturally going to be listeners. So you are teaching both, even if you're fearful that they're not both engaging, they are. One way our kids are being taught about gender and sexuality is through media, whether it's a movie, a show, a song, or a social media account. And much of what is being taught through these mediums is contrary to God's design. Here are Stephen and Amy discussing how they've approached technology in their family. There are certain thresholds, obviously, as you're looking at different ages. And this can be different for each kid, each parent, each situation. But we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about when we allow children to have access, how they're accessing. There are a lot of tools to be able to restrict access, know what they're looking at. But ultimately, like, you know, we'll find a way around things if we want to. So you have to be engaging with them personally But realizing, too, that all media is sending a message. All media is messaging. They're messaging what 
You should value their messaging body image, their messaging worldview, all that's being messaged all the time. And it is forming us. And so, I mean, we see this not just with kids, but also with adults. We're also being formed on what we should buy, where we should live, uh, what we should wear. And so realizing we have to counterform that through God's word with our kids, but then also looking at, you know, what we allow our kids to partake in. So like one decision we've made is we don't let our kids have social media. And we made this decision because of there's a direct correlation between body image and mental health issues, particularly among teenage girls and social media usage is a direct correlation between the worst body image and mental health issues are tied to the higher levels of social media consumption. We made that decision that we don't want them to be engaging in those things because they, we don't want them to be you know, getting those cultural ideas ingrained in their head because they're getting enough of it anyway. We have to, again, give them a better vision from the scriptures of a view of the world, a view of themselves, a view of femininity, a view of sexuality. The Bible tells a better story, and we're going to have to be intentional about giving them that story. We get a lot of pushback about our girls not having social media from them. Really, everyone gives us pushback about this. Oh, it's how they engage their friends. Oh, they're missing out. They won't know how to use it for a job. And I would love to even just dispel a little bit of that. Our daughter works for an online publication and she runs often their social media. She can create and post very well. They are very capable. She did not have to have a platform for herself with easy consumption to be able to do that in her work. Also, our oldest daughter, who's about to be 17, she has some friends who you know, get curious sometimes about some of the boundaries that are laid in her life, which allows her to have really good conversations with them. And many of them have actually responded that they said, well, I wish my parents had done that because they have found that they are struggling with habits, struggling with thoughts, struggling to overcome things because of the amount of time they're spending on social media. But now they don't know how to stop because once you start down a habitual road, it's very difficult to come back from it. Regardless of the home a child is raised in, they will all eventually have questions or push back. It may be about social media, friends, or even what the Bible teaches about sexuality. What should parents do and what should they remember during these times when the conversations are difficult or their children aren't responding well? I would say for parents, give space for your kids to ask questions. But even give them space for them to push back. You're not trying to win the battle. You're trying to win the war. And there are going to be a lot of conversations around this, whether it's, you know, the sexuality and gender question or social media, whatever it may be, where they're going to be upset in the moment or they're going to struggle to believe it in the moment. But you're trying to set a culture in your home to win the long game, to play the long game. Don't worry about necessarily the actual immediate interaction. And I think even to that extends into the church, and the way that we engage and counsel people is we're not trying to change people immediately necessarily. We're leaving room for the spirit to change people. We're just being available to consistently and lovingly give them the word. A lot of times it feels like they're questioning us as parents and angry or frustrated with us as parents. And the truth is they are angry and frustrated and questioning in front of us, in our presence. And that is what we want. We want them to feel safe enough to bring those things to the table and for us to calmly listen and respond or just be patient with them as they are walking through them and to be that place. Many parents are afraid for their children as they grow up in such a sexually confused culture. And undoubtedly, raising kids in a way that displays the goodness and truth of God in His Word and waiting to see how God will work in their lives is an immense calling. 
So how can moms and dads be encouraged as they start to feel overwhelmed or fearful? I think it's easy to become afraid in this. I think part of this is just some of the rate of information that we're receiving as a culture, the rate of change, it's just increasing rapidly. And it feels like we're being bombarded and it can leave you feeling a little helpless. Like you're just trying to get your head around one thing and then something else comes up. And so I think that there's a little bit of just some paralysis and fear around it, but also it can also be an opportunity for us to run to the Lord and become be dependent upon him. Because no matter what culture you live in, no matter what season you live in, no matter what time you've lived in, it's never been this perfect Christian culture that lines up with the scriptures. There have been times that may feel more comfortable, but they're just as much a threat to our witness and our walk as any other time. And so it's just that the seeming threat is standing right in front of us. And so it feels more threatening and more fearful. But there have been other times in human history where, and maybe even some in some cultures now, where idols of security and comfort snuggle right up next to us and they're a little more insidious. They're just not as outright scary. So I think it's just, it is an invitation to lean upon the Lord in the midst of that. Parenting is synonymous with leaning upon the Lord. Moms and dads can and should raise their children in the fear of the Lord, but it is up to Him to capture their hearts with a better story about their sexuality, identity, and purpose than the world is telling. As we diligently talk with our kids and point them to the ways of the one they were made for, let's remember the words of Paul to Timothy. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Our God gives us His power as we seek to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light to the next generation. Join us next time as we feature another episode in our Gender and Sexuality series. The ERLC Podcast is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. It's produced by Jill Wagner, Lindsay Nicolay, and Elizabeth Bristow. Technical production is provided by Owens Productions. It's edited and mixed by Mark Owens. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to being back together with you next time.